Hey, this is Serena. Nick Golden is an Emmy-winning producer at Seed Creative in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You know, those guys who make those awesome videos for Motion VFX. I met Nick because of his video work, but also his support for the High School Media Collective, a nonprofit that I founded with the support of Blackmagic Design Lumberjack Systems and Catalyst Story Road. Although Nick is fairly new to the video production industry, it kick-started for him in 2016. But he shines brighter than most for his incredible organization and creative skills. And he works non-stop on all kinds of productions, from commercials and client work to podcasts, documentaries, and even podcasts that celebrate Formula One. A true inspiration... Nick says he likes to do a little bit of everything, and I can identify with that. Join us as we talk about podcasting and our mutual love for Formula One. Oh, and I finally admit to a transgression that I've kept hidden all these years. By the way, if you want to know more about Seed Creative, you can search for my episode with George Edmondson here on OWC Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's time for OWC Radio, Tech Talk with Creatives, Conversations with host Serena Catania. Welcome, Nick. It's taken us a while to get this scheduled because we're both in production and you guys are really busy. So tell everybody, where are you and what's happening here today? So I think George was on your podcast a couple times ago, but he is our leader at Seed Creative here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I work with him along with doing some other podcast stuff on the side. We run like a commercial corporate documentary video business here in Alabama, based two miles outside of University of Alabama, if you don't know where Tuscaloosa is. Seed Creative, I am so impressed with you guys and what you do and how you do it. You're in Alabama. You are not in what might be considered the capitals of the world in terms of production. And I keep telling everybody that you don't have to be in order to be successful. Absolutely. We consider ourselves like a stop between what would be Atlanta and Dallas, I guess you could say. There's plenty of small production companies, but we would like people to walk in and be surprised by the kind of stuff we do with such a small team. Absolutely. I met you guys for the first time, I don't know, last year when High School Media Collective was visiting a school in Florida and we brought you guys in by Zoom to teach a session and you were amazing. Yeah, that was fun. Now your title over there is producer. And every time I work with you guys, you are just running around doing everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of how it goes. Yeah. So how did you first get involved? Seed is like the one thing that came out of COVID that was good for me. Everybody's lives were messed up by it, but I actually lost my job that I was with somebody else while I was still in college. And George was looking for a social media producer at the time. And I came along to do that. And about a weekend, he realized I could do more than just that. Not that social media isn't a lot of work, but for us, the main people are the people doing the corporate jobs, that kind of stuff. So that was the first thing I ended up doing. And within, I don't know, a week or two of being there, he already had me B camming all the shoots that we were going on. And eventually here I am, however long it's been now, almost three years 
full time out of college and just rocking and rolling, running projects myself, that kind of stuff. So, and running the, all the podcasts, obviously. You learned by doing. And I keep telling people that's the best thing to do learn by doing. Exactly. And you have mentors there, which is wonderful because a lot of people come out of college, they don't have mentors. And I think you can study all you want and you can go to film school in addition to college, but until you're actually on the set, what do you really know, right? How do you use those skills? So if you could go through, like if you're working with George and you're producing a shoot for him, can you give us the soup to nuts of what you would be doing, like from start to finish, just the broad overview? Yeah. So usually for most things for us, it would be like a client video. So they'll come to us and say, Hey, we need this. You know, it's going to be this much. Him and I both close the sale normally. It's been more of him for the majority of the business, but now I've been kind of doing some of that too. And then depending on which one of us are free or Adam, he works in Nashville. He's our like remote editor scheduler. Usually he'll either book us for whatever or book the shoot dates, kind of coordinate everybody because we work with a ton of network of freelancers too to crew the shoot. And then, you know, I'll either write the script or write down whatever shot list, that kind of stuff. It really depends how scripted it is. You know, we're very doc style. So sometimes it's more of a bullet point kind of situation rather than exactly word for word what they're going to say. Or on the flip side, sometimes we do safety videos or something like that, which is something that you know, isn't glamorous, but is like bread and butter. We shoot that kind of stuff all the time. That stuff is extremely scripted because literally people's lives are saved by watching these videos. Safety videos are very important. And even though it's not the glamorous stuff, like we do sometimes where we got 10, 15, 20 people on set, hair and makeup, all this stuff, all of video production is important. Continuing on, we'll go on the shoot, however many of the crew is, usually Adam works that out. And then one of us will edit. Usually how we kind of tend to do it is one person will take the project start to finish. So like one of our clients is builds trucks. So like I will produce that whole video, I'll schedule us and I'll edit that video. That's kind of the simple way that we do it all and how important everything is. So now what do you edit on? I think you're a Final Cut shop, aren't you? Yeah. So I actually started doing video production way back like in high school. I had my first internship in high school and I started on Final Cut 7, then went to Premiere when everybody kind of like left. And then I got back into Final Cut. So yeah, we're Final Cut here, but I do almost everything except for DaVinci, which I really need to learn. So you're editing in Final Cut. How do you guys run sound when you're on location? Do you have some preferred sound setups that you like, or do you normally bring somebody in? Well, it depends entirely on our more run and gun stuff. We normally run straight into camera. Our Red Gemini especially has awesome preamps and stuff that it sounds awesome. Uh, We have like Sennheiser boom mics. If you get like a mid tier, you know, you're not blowing the bank out on Sennheiser mics. They're going to crush it for everything you need. It's going to set it apart. Also want to mention, I mean, I'm a little biased as a podcast person, but Audio is always maybe even more important than shooting because bad audio can ruin almost anything. I totally agree. You get bad audio, you are screwed. If you don't get really great pictures, sometimes you can take care of that or cut something else over it. Sound is really important. And a lot of independent producers don't think about that, you know? Nick, you're incredibly talented. So what do you think you do? And this is for the people who want to do what you do, right? If you're giving Mm. a young person some advice who wants to start doing what you do, what do you think your qualities are that make you good 
at producing this stuff. Well, you can learn the skills if you are a kind of person that can learn, but what mostly it comes down to is being a people person. You don't have to be an extrovert all the time, just occasionally. <laughs> and um, I think that's really important. And one thing that set me apart as a younger person was I was just more responsible than other people. Like I'm talking like high school at this point. That started me on the trajectory to set myself apart where I'm responding to emails, I'm texting people back, calling people back right away as soon as possible, you know, whatever you can do. And getting out there, they will see that first and then they'll look at your reel. You know what I'm saying? They'll want to know what you've shot, that kind of stuff. At that point, having a face to the name is really what's important, which is kind of a stereotypical advice. And then also just shooting. There are tons of gear available at this point for super cheap. You can rent an awesome camera for lens rentals for a week for a hundred bucks. You can do that kind of stuff. You can just shoot on your iPhone. It's incredible. And even compared to when I was in high school, which wasn't that long ago at this point, is still way different now. I was lucky to have access to like the Canon T2Is in high school. And that's like what I got started on. So it's twofold. Go out there, do stuff and be responsible and make people want to help you and they will help you. And also the fact that you care about them and you're doing what you're supposed to do and following through, that's really important. Being part of a team, being a good team player, that's really important. So back to production. So you're out there, you're shooting, you're using a lot of the red cameras, you're using the Sennheiser booms, you're recording, everything's going well. How do you manage your footage? Is it logged during the shoot or do you bring it back into Final Cut and log at them? Or do you use Lumberjack or what are you using to sort of manage your media? We've played around with some different stuff, but mostly what we do is just simple SSD to SSD. We have it all labeled there. Most of our shoots, I would say, would average two days. And most of the time we'll come back that night and make sure it's all organized that way. We'll label it by shot, not necessarily shot type, but what the shot is. That's usually more important to the kind of work we do. You know, our clients don't care that it's a medium shot, a tight shot. They care it's a shot of a bulldozer, you know, whatever. We don't really pull it into final cut until we're ready to actually edit. Sometimes that is the same day, but for the most part, the simple file system, which is, you know, media, this camera, what that footage is in folders. That's like the easiest way to do it to start without needing anything else other than a hard drive or SSD. You're renaming files at the finder level then. Yes. That's how I prefer to do it. No, I agree. I do the same thing too. Well, what I do is I take the card and I offload it immediately and don't touch anything, nothing. And that's the master copy. And then I will take that and I'll make a second copy, which becomes the working copy. And then I'll rename the files that way. We do a lot of using the lumberjack logging on the set or after the fact, and I'll log everything before we start editing. Okay. So you're in there, you've got your footage, you've imported it, you're in final cut. What delivery format do you have for most of your clients? How are you delivering? I would say the majority at this point is probably 4k, but usually it's just, we deliver 4k videos over Dropbox, that kind of stuff. That's how we send out the finals. And we just use YouTube for having like an unlisted link for review links for them. We use Dropbox Replay, which is kind of like Frame.io a little bit, has less features, but it's also cheaper. We use that for some clients, but most of them, there's no learning curve for them to just watch a YouTube video. That's usually what we go to because if we're going to use Frame.io or something, we got to set them up with that. So only clients that we do stuff on the 
weekly or even daily basis, like Motion VFX, do we set them up with something where they can write notes on there? And they just email us time-stamped notes, and that's how we do it. What are you using for that, then? Is that the YouTube version, or is that the Frame.io version? The YouTube version. Our go-to thing is we're just trying to make everything easy for someone so they have no learning curve. Because most people that come to us, the reason they're hiring us is because they have no idea what to do for video. We're here to give them the nugget of information of, hey, you don't have to know anything. Have you watched YouTube before? Okay, here's a link. You know, like, make it easy for them, you know? That is so smart because every time I try to get a client to send me notes using Frame.io, I can't believe how confused they get. For us, it's easy, but for them, it's not. I think your approach is really smart. I'm actually going to try that. Never thought about using YouTube that way. We were just talking about this yesterday. I wish they also did it Vimeo style where you could download that at a full res version, even if you had to pay for it, if it was the equivalent to whatever Vimeo costs, because Vimeo is also a learning curve for people that don't use it. I mm -hmm. wish that was the only thing that is the limit there. But yeah, using YouTube is super easy. So that's an easy way to do it if you don't have access to anything or if you don't want to pay for a subscription. That's why you guys stayed in business and are going to be in business for a long, long time. You're amazing to work with. It's fun working with you guys. All of this is bringing me to the point that you do a podcast. Mm -hmm. And you also record the podcast that George is doing. You have the Seed Creative Podcast and you also have one of your own. So I want to get into all of that in terms of the creative, but let's talk for a minute. Because a lot of people have been asking me, how do you set up? What do you use? What's your gear? Can you talk to us about how you guys set yourselves up to do your podcast? First at Seed Creative and then what you do on the other front. They're actually the same, luckily, because uh, George lets me use the studio for that. So that's nice. Perfect. <laughs> well, it helps that I helped build this one. So we actually kind of have, I would think, a non-traditional approach to how we do podcasts. Now, you wouldn't notice that on the viewer end of it, but that's kind of the point. We try to go as cheap as possible while keeping quality. We looked around the studio for gear we were no longer using. We had two computers that we didn't use anymore. We had some extra tripods, that kind of stuff. And we had this extra room that we hadn't used yet and extra sound panels. So everything, lighting, audio, other than these microphones and the cameras, we already had to get more like technical with it. So we have a 2015 iMac that we run Logic on. These microphones run all the way to a control room that is 10, 15 feet that way, but they are disconnected. There's a room in between the two of them. So it runs in there. We use something called an Evo 8. It can run up to, I think, 16 audio channels, something like that. But we run our XLR snake all the way in there, plugs right into Logic via USB-C, records that way, great audio that way. In terms of cameras, we have three C300 Mark 1s. We got an absolute steal for these. We paid $800 a piece for these. And we have some simple fixed pancake lenses that look awesome. And all of the camera feeds are recorded into an Atomo Sumo. Right now, our podcast is only in 1080, but it's 1080 10-bit color. So that's good. But all of it runs in there and we can live switch as it goes. So like... All four of the camera feeds we see, you can literally just tap it live, edit it for you. And if you don't make any mistakes, you're done. All you got to do is sync the audio and color it and you're done. And if you do make a mistake, it makes an XML for Final Cut. That makes it super easy. That's basically it. We also have a TV set up in case we want to do Zooms like this. So we have that in here. So people that are clients, be like a Zoom guest, 
So yeah, I mean, it was super thrown together, but I mean, we put the whole podcast studio together under four grand. One podcast client recouped all of that immediately. Now it's 100% profitable other than whatever our time costs. That's awesome. So do you bring a lot of your guests in to the studio or by Zoom? Almost majorly are in the studio. Most kind of do a hybrid. We do this one for this accounting firm. They like to do like informational podcasts where they do a topic like how to file your 1099, that kind of stuff, which is super helpful in the production world. Also, I actually learned a lot by listening to them. <laughs> but yeah, what's the name? Where are they? JMF Advisor Show on YouTube. Okay. You want to okay. go and learn how to run a small business. We made the podcast content. Go there on YouTube. They can help you out. I learned a ton just by listening to them. They come. They usually will have one or two people. They'll talk about a topic and occasionally they'll bring in an expert. They mostly bring people in, but they will Zoom. I'll say two out of eight is a Zoom and the rest are in person. So that's how we prefer to do it. But we have it set up to where it'll be the best version of Zoom you can get. I've been recording most of the OWC radio podcasts using Zoom. I started out in Ecamm when it first came out. So I was using that in the beginning and then I switched to Zoom, but it just became very easy to use. But I've noticed like you and I had trouble logging in. I don't know if anybody in our audience ever goes through that, but once in a while, if they update for some reason, it takes a while before people can log in. So I also have StreamYard now. So I'm going to try StreamYard and Ecamm and make a decision about whether I continue. You know, for those of you who are curious, my setup is really simple. I mean, I've got the Sure mic. I've got the Neumann mic for a second guest. I'm using my iPad and a teleprompter for my third monitor. And I'm running two monitor Zoom. And I've got Elgato wireless lights that I can control mm. with my iPhone. And this is a Sure SM. I can never remember the number, but I, it's the one that everybody has. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I look at all these podcasts and I go, wait a minute, that's my mic. <laughs> I know. It's really easy. I have an Elgato stream deck here that, so I can switch. And I just recently bought the foot pedal. I'm going to try that mm. if I need to switch between shots. And my cameras, it's a Logic Brio Pro because I can mount it in the uh, teleprompter. I really want to see my guests. I don't want to be looking at my image. You know, that's not really fun for me to watch my own face when I'm talking to somebody else. And I edit mine on file cut and output it to, you know, it depends on what it's for. I do a lot, obviously OWC radio is strictly audio, but we also do video, do social media clips and everything. But I use Builder for that. I can cut it on Final Cut and then I bring it into Builder. Like the other day, I cut six different social media clips from my master timeline using Builder in like less than five minutes. That's cool. We just use Final Cut, but that's cool. It helps me because I'm doing it all myself at this point, you know? Yeah. One thing I wanted to touch on too that in our process is we use this to publish. I think that's kind of a daunting part of it. To publish, we use this thing that was called Anchor. And that is a super easy platform. It's free. Back when podcasting was first starting to coming around, you had to find a host for your RSS feed. And this is kind of going back to our message of anybody can do it. You know, now you go on, you log in and you can just upload your audio and it self-distributes to all of the podcast platforms, except for Apple. You got to do it a special way for Apple, but they make it easier than just trying to go to straight to Apple. It's called Spotify for podcasters. I was looking at that a few weeks ago and thinking, hmm, I'm wondering if we should try that for the new show. 
On OWC Radio, we just have a basic WordPress site that links to their site, and we're using Blueberry for distribution. And that works really well, but you have to pay for that. And then there's different tiers. Anchor's free, Spotify for podcasts. It's going to take me a while to break that habit. All the podcasts I do, I have separate Anchor accounts for. But when you upload that audio, it'll post it to all the places for you. It makes it so easy. Once you set it up the first time, when I record the other podcast I do about racing, I upload it and it's published with in five minutes. I love how easy they make it now. But if you're on something else and you ever want to switch to it, they can import all your stuff for you. So thank you, automated things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we love that. So, okay. Car racing, Formula One specifically. I didn't realize you were into that. When I was in high school, I was living in Orléans, France, and my parents aren't here anymore, so they can't chastise me for this. I told my mom and dad I was going to a sleepover at my girlfriend's house. And over there, you had to take the train. So my father drove me to the train station. I got out of the car, went into the train station. He drove away. I walked through the back of the train station where my friends picked me up. And we flew in this little Alfa Romeo Pininfarina to Clermont-Ferrand to watch the Formula One races because I was a total Formula One fan. And we hung around in tree hammocks and photographed the races. And then the next morning came back and <laughs> went to the train station. Uh, my dad picked me up. <laughs> I <went home. laughs> wow. But I have always been a car racing fan. I think one of the most fun things I ever did was direct a uh, pilot for a TV series, a reality series with eight cameras of Porsches at Willow Springs. But how did you get involved with Formula One? And tell me about this podcast. There's this Netflix series called Drive to Survive. A ton of people have watched it. It's like one of the biggest shows in America, a documentary at this point. I actually started watching like just before that came out, which I think was 2017, I want to say. I can't remember which year it actually started. Maybe 2018. But I started watching just before that and I got hooked immediately. I am a nerd for like statistics and numbers and performance and all this stuff. So all of that's there. There's drama. It's like everything. Then that Netflix series comes out. I'm a young kid that just loves documentary. And this documentary is incredibly good. From then it was like, all right, I'm full in this. So I didn't start the podcast for a couple years. I just started it mid last Formula One season, which should be last July 2022. That's when I started the podcast. And it's just me and my friend. We both like rival teams. If you've ever seen F1, I'm a Mercedes fan. I'm wearing the hat for it. <laughs> Mercedes fan. He's a Red Bull fan. And our teams are big rivals. And we just break down races and cover all the news and stuff. And started to have some clips blow up on Instagram and TikTok. It's called the Pitwall Podcast. If you want to find us, it's at the Pitwall Pod on everything. It's it's awesome. I have never been to a race, so I'm going to my first race in a month in Miami. I'm so excited, <laughs> and I'm going to Silverstone too this year. I have a friend that's spending a year in England studying, so I'm bunking with them. So I have a free place to stay. Cannot wait. Like I think about it every morning. Like I can't wait to go. So. And I'd love to go to Vegas or the U.S. Grand Prix this year, too. But Vegas is out of my price range, for sure. Well, maybe you can find some work to do for Seed while you're there. For sure. Vegas is the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So tell us what kind of things you guys talk about. Now, do you have guests on or is it the two of you? I have not watched it yet. It's on YouTube, too, if you prefer to watch it. It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, that kind of stuff. We record it right here, We uh, which is Seed Creative. 
but it's not really affiliated, but Georgia's just nice, lets us use it. But we kind of dive into the details of everything that happened during the race and more like why it happened. You know, one thing that's so daunting, it's really confusing for people. A lot of people don't understand. There's terms going around. There's, oh, C0 tire compound. Like, what is that? You know, stuff like that. We make it really fun for beginners to listen. And I am an internet sleuth when it comes to news. So I'm constantly writing news down and trying to be one of the first people to report it and really like break it down. So that's kind of what I do on the social media side. We talk all of that kind of stuff. So it's more like the fine details of racing as much as we can glean. (laughs) Now, what is his name? His name's Dawson Estes. Him and I are school friends. We shot a documentary together. So he also does video production. Did you say he was into Formula One before you guys started this or are you sort of the mentor? He started watching because of me and our whole first season was kind of me teaching him stuff. And by doing that, it's kind of like I'm teaching the audience at the same time. Right. There's still some of that, but now he's becoming more of like the Red Bull expert at this point. Like he gets me on some stuff sometimes now. So I'm very proud of my protege, <laughs> but now nah, he's an equal part of it. It's super fun. So Red Bull, that company really does some amazing things. I have friends that have done some wonderful shoots for Red Bull you know, like at the very top of the mountains in Switzerland. Yeah, I'm a Mercedes fan, but trust me, if I got a call by Red Bull's video production people, I'd dress head to toe in Red Bull. This is so fun, Nick, because you're just fun to talk to. You're living life to the fullest. Like George has a family and he works really hard, but he still has time and makes time to be a loving husband and father. And I just really appreciate that. You know, the pursuit of happiness is so important. Absolutely. You're bringing back lots of memories with the F1 and with what you do in production and and even Mercedes. On my 40th birthday, I went to a Mercedes dealership and I bought myself a little 360 SL convertible, a little red one. I remember driving in that car along the Pacific Coast Highway with the top down thinking, I have arrived. And it's not even about what it was. It was just about being able to do something for yourself that you really love, like you're doing with the F1 and the podcast and with friends. I just want to remind people to have moments in life that bring back memories. You're obviously really good at what you do but you're doing something also for the fun of it. It's important to have more than just work. Yeah. And even though mine is still kind of related and I still put a lot of work into it, it's what I do for fun. So yeah, totally. Yeah. I 100% agree. So if you won the lottery tomorrow, what would you do? I mean, it depends on how much it was, (laughs) but if it was a big lottery, I'd go to a year's worth of F1 races. That would be the first thing. And I would buy some camera gear that can go with me everywhere. That's mine. Well, I hope that we have enlightened people about podcasting. Tell them where to go on the internet to learn more about you. If you want to know about our business, it's your seed media, like Y-O-U-R seedmedia.com. I can always shoot us an email. I'm happy to talk to anybody, Nick at yourseedmedia.com. If you want to find my podcast, if you're interested in Formula One, it's at the Pitwall Pod on Instagram and TikTok mainly. And you can find us on all audio platforms and YouTube. So those are the two places you can find me. Nick, it's so much fun talking to you. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a great time. He's Nick Golden. I'm Serena Catania. And you've been listening to OWC Radio. And everybody, remember what I tell you every show. Get up off your chair and go do something wonderful today. It may not be an F1 race, but it might be something like driving along the Pacific Coast Highway with the top down if you can, or even just spending time 
in a loving way with your family. Just do something wonderful. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.